when you're building a product or a platform or company, like you can do a lot of things, but what is it that, you know, people are going to like catch on to? And a lot of times it's that thing that you never even thought of. The road of an entrepreneur is guaranteed to be askew, and there are always big questions to overcome. How are tech founders bootstrapping their way to the top while spending money from their own pockets? How do they scale a startup that is primed for a successful exit, yet still remain profitable? These are the types of questions that this podcast will help answer, and it will shine light onto the livelihood of entrepreneurs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the dirt in between. My name is Jim Barnish, and welcome to the dirt. Okay, so I first met today's guest as he was building his second company a few years back. After the sale of his business, he's now on his third swing at the plate, a cybersecurity tech company. And hailing from Jacksonville, Florida, he knows a thing or two about the pros and cons of building a startup in a small market, but has not let the limitations of a small market get in the way of his success. Now, that being said, he's had and has his fair share of dirt along the way and is here to share some really awesome stories from pivoting ideal customer profile or ICP to leveraging channel partner relationships. So uh, without further ado, CEO and founder of Taurusier, Jeremy Vaughn, welcome to The Dirt. Hey, Jim. Thank you. Thanks for the uh, invite and um, the prep. Uh getting through some of the dirt and uh, preparing for uh, how to talk through it. Yeah, man. No, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I give my, I, my surface level overview of you and, uh, and your current company tourist year, but hopefully I didn't butcher it. <laughs> uh, no, you're good. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get into more uh, later on. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, would, would you mind just sharing with the audience, you know, your version of what you do and, and how you got here? Yeah. So um kind of two, two prongs of this, um, was a, uh, was involved with a software engineering firm, um, for several years. And, um, we were, people would hire us for innovation, build software. And, um, you know, when we would hand over a product, you know, we were, we were using all the right tools, securing, securing code, securing our processes, things like that. And, um, the, the CISOs and CTOs of, of and CIOs of these organizations that we were building product for, I would just go ask, you know, how are you, how are you, how do you know that we're giving you a, a quality product, secure by design, um, things like that. And um, we were, this was kind of when CISOs were new on the screen on the on the scene um, back in 2016, 17, 18. And um, uh, it just became a we don't do that. Um, we don't understand how to do that. And so um, you know doing these interviews, doing these customer discovery, um, with these, with, with these executives led us to, you know, um, solving a problem that we ourselves were, were having, but all our, our clients were having too. Right. And so that's kind of a really good story, um, for most startups that, um, if you're solving for yourself or, or a client, like it's, it's usually a good problem to solve. And so, you know, when we, uh, we basically realized, you know, there's a lot of, uh, shortage in the talent arena, um, how can automation um, fix this? You know, um, security and compliance slows down our product delivery. How can we fix that? Um, and then when we did our research in the market, there's a lot of traditional tools um, that are very noisy um, that basically uh, trying to get put into the developer uh, process becomes very intrusive, creates a lot of uh, uh, things that developers just ignore. And then 
risk get deployed to market. And so you see a lot of these um, kind of risks being highlighted like solar winds um, and a lot of other ones that uh, I bet you, um, and this is this kind of supply chain security has been highlighted right over the last couple of years. And so what I realized is going to talk to the business side, the business folks are enabling um, digital transformation and cloud development. And, you know, we need to move fast via software, but they have no idea um, or they lack of understanding of what risks are being produced um, day, way down in the trenches, you know, in code and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of number one. Number two is a, is our why story. And um, this is very personal to me because, um, and this was essentially the kick in my ass uh, to, to launch this product and um, bring it to market. You know, I was, I was scared to leave the, the, the former gig um, and start over. Right. And so um, my daughter is a type, a type one diabetic. Um, she uses devices to receive insulin monitor her blood glucose levels, things like that. And in 2019, uh, the one of the device manufacturers who have a mobile app, um, essentially the mobile app failed. Um, and uh, it, it basically caused a life-threatening uh, situation for my daughter at night where, you know, my wife and, and, and I really changed our behavior. We just started trusted, trust technology way too much, right? And she woke up with a 47 blood sugar, which could lead to seizures um, and potentially death, right? And it was sitting at 47 for three hours. Um, so that's really scary. So she woke us up shaking, juiced herself, right? So then what I did is I just researched, like went to the iTunes store, the Google store, and saw that the um, the reviews were crazy bad on this t- particular device. And then I, re- I looked when was the last time that they updated their mobile application? It was two and a half years, two and a half years, right? Um, in, in, in what that means is code rot. Um, there's a, there's a um, organization in our industry called OWASP. Um, OWASP put code rot or outdated components um, as a very high risk, actually number six um, on their list of 10 um, this 2021. So like, I was like, man, we actually solve that problem in our technology and provide that continuous monitoring. So that was like, man, this thing has to live. And my daughter is the reason why. And so like when you're going through that entrepreneurship highs and lows, um, you know, and people say, remember, you know, why you're doing this. When I hit those lows, you know, my daughter, I look at my daughter, I'm like, okay, this, this is my why. Right. And so this is also how, you know, I've gotten top talent to, you know, be co-founders with me and, um, and really, you know, buy into why we're doing these things. And so I know that was a long winded thing, but it's, it's a very personal thing to me. Um, and why we named the company Taurus here, it's one part product, um, related, but one part like, Hey, this is, this is a journey. Um, you need confidence, you need, um, to be a bull right in this market and you have to have strength and, uh, and just move forward at all times, like the stock market. Like we're we're very bullish. We're moving forward, and just like our customers, to to basically implement these things as a journey is strength, it's confidence, and that's really what the brand's about. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that. That's actually the first time I've heard that story from you. So that's uh that's incredible. What um as you can see, it was very very passionate. So uh, you know, long winded there. <laughs> no, no, the good kind of long winded. 
Um, so, I mean, this is your third company, right? And obviously, um, a real great reason for being or a mission and, and vision um, connected to it. Um, how how did you how did you get here? How did you get to number three, if you will? Um, kind of, you know, in, in tied to that, you know, any obstacles along the way in your first two that that you're really looking out for in in uh, venture number three? Yeah. So um, how we got here is is built off that that story that that kick in the ass, right? Um, which previous to that, which was really kind of hampering my my mindset and you know confidence to do it was um uh, one of my founders um passed away um that was going to help launch this uh product company um who was very very uh networked in the industry and very knowledgeable and very well respect respected and so um when he passed away i was like man how do we do this right and so i went through several months of um, are we going to shut this down? Um, you know, what do I do? And got very scared because I never really sought out to be a CEO. Um, I was always a strategy, like support person and like to the CEO, um, like COO type. And, uh, he was going to be the CEO. And when that happened, um, I was just very scared, lack confidence. And, um, so that happened. Right. And so, and now it was up to me um, to form strategy, to launch the company, um, and take that kind of leadership role because no one else was going to do it. Um, and so that happened. And, um, the first couple of years were, uh, I would say year was really hard on experimentation on the strategy. Um, and so you and I talked about this before is like, um, who do you focus on? Um, yeah, I can, I can form a strategy on, um, and follow kind of like the startup, uh, uh, mapping exercises and things like that. But, you know, all those plans when hit the market, uh, tend to fall apart. Right. And you start to learn, um, where your, where your warts are and where you need to adjust. And so, um, also if you recall, I'm not, I wasn't really a cybersecurity guy or a, um, a compliance uh, expert or anything like that. So we really had to learn, um, the marketplace and where we kind of fit in, um, and where we fit into the process and things like that. And so that was a really hard kind of learning curve, um, that we had to, to adjust to. And I'll, I'll go into, um, when we first launched the company, um, we focused on whales, um, you know, so enterprise, uh, companies and, uh, it was a looking back on it, it was a huge distraction. Um, and so, um, there was one company here in town that promised us the world they were going to invest in us and, you know, they were going to, uh, put us through their POC process and, um, it, it net failed. Um, and we really had to start over. I would say that's one part, the next story, but two part, they, it was just, a we didn't understand our value proposition and to who and how to message it, um, to the right people. And so that in itself became the next thing, right? So, um, how do we kind of figure out how to message what we built and to who, um, and that going through that enterprise kind of sales process, um, yes, there was big learnings there, but it was ultimately a distraction. Um, and the next distraction was, um, these, uh, accelerator programs. Um, and so we got to, 
invited to, and when I say distraction, it kept us from the learning cycles of the ICP, right? But um, we went into an insure tech accelerator program by startup bootcamp and um, it was great. And we were getting <laughs> more relationships with enterprise customers, insurance companies up, up in Hartford, things like that. And um, we really learned all the problems uh, around the enterprise companies and why the hell we didn't want to sell to them. <laughs> so, um, and then during the middle of that, uh, and I'll get into that later, but, um, in the middle of that COVID hit, right. And so, uh, the, the startup, pro the accelerator program just died. All the relationships that we kind of, um, formed died. And, uh, the initial enterprise company that promised us the world died. And so we're like, okay, what do we do now? Right. And this was back in 2020. Mm -hmm. And, um, so what do we do now became a, um, an effort on back to understanding the, how we built the product and why that mattered and to who, um, that mattered to and for what. And so that put us in the journey of discovering our ICP, um, ideal customer profile, and then mapping that to, you know, the go to market, right? So we had to basically like, we lost all of our momentum and progress. Well, I would say pro we thought was progress, um, but it, it basically almost killed us. And now we are like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. So it was back to the drawing board. Um, and that was kind of the, the failures, the obstacles along the way. Um, that led us to where we are today. Um, so, uh, and we can get into that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's pull on that though. Um, Cause selling to enterprises is tough and it's really easy to let, whether it's an accelerator program or, you know, your uncle or just somebody that wants to make an introduction, it's really easy to leverage referrals to drive your business when you're just getting started. Right. Cause you don't have any, you don't have a business, you got a product or maybe even just an idea. And so, you know, as you're building and you're looking for all these ways to either bring in a really big investor or a big company, it gets exciting. And sometimes it's the right thing. Um, but to your point, um, you know, if, 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 you've, if you're letting that drive your business, then without first understanding who your ideal customer profile should be, then it, it leads you down some, some, some rough paths. <laughs> so, um, you know, that let's dig into that one on the, on the, um, on the enterprise side and, and where your ideal customer profile actually ended up landing. So you, you were selling enterprises, you did a bunch of customer discovery, which obviously that's incredibly important to do. Um, and that led you to. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's funny. So like, even though I'm picking on enterprise and our, our learnings there, we were also wrestling with, you know, the market understanding um, and uh, the market kind of catching up, um, if you will. So, um, like I mentioned previously, like we didn't anticipate large events kind of happening um, that happened. COVID happened, solar winds happened, a lot of other things uh, around breaches happened. Um, we didn't anticipate that, and so like it was one of those things where like you create your own luck kind of thing. Um, where we had the solution, we're building the solution. Um, and then those kind of things happen where, all right, COVID 
made everybody go virtual, right? It highlighted our problem set that we were solving for. Um, solar winds and all those breaches highlighted the problem set, right? And so it's one of those things where um, when you're new to market, um, you kind of hope for something to happen where the market starts to get educated themselves. Um, so the first couple of years were, it was entirely way too much education on, on our part. And so when you're selling to an enterprise, um, you got to educate your champion. You got to educate the executives. You got to educate like 20 people before, you know, anybody's really giving you kind of buying, um, you know, scenarios. Right. But also what you're trying to figure out in the enterprise is, and what we figured out is, um, it's, it's just tough. And when you dissect that, it's not really about the sales process and what I mean, it's having that self-awareness of there's a lot of red tape in, uh, in enterprise. There's a lot of, um, legacy, legacy solutions, um, or legacy people, um, that don't really understand like where they're going and what technologies are coming and because they're just too busy. Um, and then there's along that lines of legacy, um, there's a lot of religious battles, um, that are there. Like, you know, don't touch that tool. Don't talk about that thing or don't mention that word. Um, because your, your, your deal is just going to blow up. Right. And so, um, then you got, uh, most enterprise, uh, the mentality of, uh, you know, nobody gets fired for hiring McKinsey or IBM or whatever. Right. And so that is rampant in most enterprise organizations. They read Gardner, they read Forrester. And if it, you're not in the, the quadrant or the wave or whatever it is, um, they don't care about you. Right. And, What's funny is all these billion dollar companies are paying to get into those things and everybody knows it. And um, they still will not look at innovation. They're like, no, nah, we're just going to go with this because nobody's going to get fired for going with this. Right. And so you got to compete with all of that and more um, to, to get into these enterprise environments, which is really, really, really tough. And so getting to the ICP is okay. They're, they're more built on the new, new, right? So like uh, when we focus on like software as a service type of organizations built within the last, you know, four to five years um, and those start are uh, a small and mid-sized businesses that are, you know, really focusing in on digital, digital transformation or moving to the cloud. Um, they are starting to build their own custom software. So these are all opportunities that kind of presented themselves where like, everything's becoming digital. Everything's becoming cloud, you know, enabled everything. And, um, but again, they're building this stuff using all the new technology. So there's not all this kind of like anchor in the back where you have to overcome all that other stuff that I mentioned to in an enterprise. Right. So we can basically say, Hey, we have the new, new as well. And this is going to help you speed up and solve these particular problems and really kind of, keep your competitive edge, which is your startup. You can move fast. You're a small company, move faster, solve these problems, and you can actually catch up or, or overcome your, your enterprise com competition. And that's literally taking your value prop as like speed is your, is your best friend at this stage. Right. And so that's where we focused on. So like those, those companies that we can do a lot of automation, get into the sales process way faster, close them way faster. And our value, value proposition is, hey, you know, you can solve these problems 
And we've done it in a particular way that allows us to, for you to do it at like a third of the cost or a fraction of the cost of deploying a kind of legacy or a traditional security suite. And um, we didn't realize the way we built the platform that we were talking about um, and how we did it really more resonated with um, the smaller organizations than uh, the enterprise, which the assumption was enterprise is like cost reduction, cost reduction, cost reduction, right? We thought that it would be a huge kind of play and it wasn't. It was like, nah, it, this is this is interesting, but it's not that interesting. But when you're talking to the smaller organizations, it was like, okay, this is really interesting. And um, going back to the, all the things that have happened to COVID, you know, the trends, new regulations coming out and uh, cyber insurance, like cyber insurance driving this type of stuff um, really kind of was... A, a lucky whirlwind, if you will, that, um, you know, pushed us into the ICP and then the ICP already being educated and, and, uh, seeing kind of the writing on the wall. Oh, we, we need to start solving these problems. The ICP really became, you know, small to medium sized businesses, services, businesses, building custom applications, SaaS yep. businesses, things along those lines. And, and now you're actually starting to see some of those enterprises catch on and pick up conversations again based on the, the awesome traction that you guys have seen as well. Isn't that true? That's true. Um, so yeah, we've, we've back to, <laughs> we, we have a network of uh, people that will refer business to us, right? Um, that, uh, you know, are very heavily networked in enterprise, right? So like, um, you know, I'll talk to a consultant or somebody I meet at a networking event and they're like, Oh, I know the CISO of this, you know, big company or whatever, CTO of this big company. And they'll, you want me to do an intro? I'm like, sure. But like, you know, that's not really our, you know, who we're targeting, um, you know, cause I just test it every once in a while. Right. Um, you know, is this becoming interesting to, uh, another customer? Will we spend time on it? Um, like direct sales, not really, but if we, if we get introduced, yeah, we'll spend time. Um, and yeah, when I sell it with our value proposition in the way that I sell it to the small organizations, it's one of those aha moments for the, the executive or leadership. However, it turns, it, 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 we're still caught into the mess and which was, which I realized they're like, Oh, I'm going to have to flip. Cause I'm not going to push any solution on, my, my organization. So you're going to have to go back and sell everybody else. Right. And so they put you right back into the process that I explained before. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like call me when you're ready. And if you run into these problems, let me know. Because a lot of times the solution, also the solution that we're selling, um, a lot of times shouldn't be evaluated, um, down in the trenches. Um, which it's not being adopted by you know the the developers and things like that. It's not who we're focused on. So there's a back to the enterprise. It's it, they still think in the in the you know in that way where it just we're, they're not ready yet. Yeah, and a, and a quick no is sometimes almost as good as as a yes, right? So you're not you know spending nine to eighteen months on a sales cycle that's never going to get you anywhere because it's not your ideal customer profile. Hey, well, to that point, man, um, I always coach to get the no as fast as possible. Because, yep. um, I mean, from a sales perspective, I don't want to chase you. Um, I'll, like, I'll provide you some insight. Um, and what I've learned being in business several years now is like, 
that insight will come back to you um, in a year, two years, three years. And they'll say, hey, Jeremy, you said something to me three years ago that resonated. And I didn't really understand it when you said it to me, but we actually experienced this problem um, within the last month. And I was like, who told me that? Or who kind of made me aware of that situation? Right. And then like, then you become like an immediate trusted advisor. Um, and you didn't chase them. You're like, you weren't ignore, you weren't this, uh, you know, the annoying salesperson. You're like, Hey, I'm just going to drop some knowledge on you when you're ready. Um, come, come find us, you know, and, and we'll help you out. Um, but yeah, the getting to the no is, is really important. Cause I, you know, I don't want to chase you and you see it on LinkedIn all the time. It's like, uh, all these executives complaining about salespeople, you know, and it's like, I get it. I mean, I get hit up all the time and the message is irrelevant and it, it doesn't even fit the life cycle of our business right now. And I'm like, you gotta like research who you're talking to. Um, and so you can get that no faster, um, or, and just, or just leave them alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that direct go to market is is hard too, right? And so you, you hit on something really interesting too that I'd love to dive into, which is you've gotten a lot of traction from uh, indirect channels or partnerships, right? Um, and spent a lot of time on strategy around partnerships in making sure to make your bets on the right paths forward as it relates to uh, channel partner go to market strategy. You mind just you know kind of digging into that a little bit and the journey in both figuring out you know that that indirect was going to be a really big opportunity for you guys and also uh, evaluating what channel partners were the right path forward. Yeah, um, I think this is also kind of you'll hear me say awareness like a lot of times situational awareness, um, self awareness things like that. I think uh, back to what had happened before we were in a situational awareness type of, uh, evaluation, um, at this time. And so, um, we realized in all of our conversations, 2019, 2020, um, it was just, we realized it's it just a big uphill battle of education and, um, nobody was converting, um, from a sales perspective. And so I was like, you know what, we have some funding, um, I would like to create a, uh, a playbook on channel, um, and really see if we can get some more turns at the wheel, um, to kind of go through more learning cycles and refine our messaging, um, and see, and kind of leverage, um, people in the channel to get to that aha moment. Cause they're, they're more open to it. Cause we're not selling to them. Right. And, um, you know, when you're selling to the end customer, they're, they're like, nah, the, <clears throat> I'm not going to provide you more feedback or whatever. Um, so the channel was kind of an opportunity because they're, you know, they were mapped to our go-to-market strategy with the ICP, um, but they would spend time with us and, you know, we could educate their consultants or, you know, IT practitioners or whatever, whoever the channel was, you know, uh, auditors. And um, it was kind of like a, a game for us, if you will, like how fast could we get, you know, these consultants in this industry to an aha moment, right? And what are they asking? What are the objection, objectives, objections uh, they have? And um, when they say, hey, how do you compare to this product or this kind of segment or whatever, 
Um, they helped us answer all of those things and really become way more prepared um, for when they would pass off us clients, right? So that became an educational, create trust um, with consultants and uh, initiative in 2020. And um, then all of a sudden, um, we started getting uh, people to that aha moment way faster because we we knew how to simplify the message. Because um, let's be honest, like when you're building a product or a platform or company, like you can do a lot of things, but what is it that, you know, people are going to like catch on to? Um, and a lot of times it's that thing that you never even thought of. It's like, ah, oh, shoot, I didn't realize how valuable that was. And why are people like catching on to that? Like out of all things that we do, um, it's actually pretty funny. It's like, you know, <laughs> you're, you're really on that. All right, cool. We'll talk about that then. Um, and like, let's, we'll dismiss everything else. Right. And, um, so yeah, we started getting uh, these consultants, the aha moments faster. And then, um, then we kind of just scaled our efforts, right. Um, once we kind of learned the playbook. Um, and then, like I said, all of a sudden they're like, okay, now that I understand, I'm going to start introducing you to clients and or leads. Right. So, um, there's a couple organizations that literally were on their Slack channels and, they messaged me, Hey, Hey guys, can you participate on a sales, like a, a new sales discovery call with us today or tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. We'll do it. Right. And, um, what we're also doing in that is like, we're helping them solidify deals or ask questions or, you know, come up with solutions that they necessarily weren't thinking about. Um, or, you know, me- meaning like keeping the prospect like really engaged and, being like, oh, if you're asking me about that, can you guys also do this, 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 right? So I'm, I'm kind, and from the from their executives' perspective, they're like, man, these guys are coming in and helping our, our consultants be better at sales, and they're helping them innovate in the sales process to like keep the deal. Um, and that kind of became my realization as this is um, like the future of like what a CEO's job um, is, and it, we talked about this before is. Um, the CEO of the future is going to lead ecosystems, um, not their own company. And so I think when you're um, focused on your own company, uh, a lot of times you think you're like the silver bullet and you can solve all problems for all customers. Right. And so I took a step back as we were starting to like go down this path. And I was like, man, I wonder if we can do this with a lot of partners and kind of map together an ecosystem of, you know, very complimentary partners that are, are pre-vetted. We can pre pre-build an ecosystem and we can be very complimentary together. And that can be replicated in, you know, geographic locations that can be replicated, you know, any, in in, like industry, like if you want to, like, if we were focused on a specific industry, right. Or, and we want to say, Hey, go create the ecosystem for finance, go create the ecosystem for insurance, whatever. And you can create these very um, pre-built, focused uh, partner ecosystems. And um, that's what we focused on, right? And so um, now, we're, now we're figuring out, okay, we have these pre-built ecosystems. How can we distribute the ecosystem as a whole? Mm-hmm. Um, and that became an interesting kind of um, uh, topic where um, we figured out, a couple other kind of go-to-market strategies as ecosystem partners, as opposed to like one company going to the market. Um, and that's, um, 
is kind of where, you know, figuring out your strategy, staying true to your strategy, which is mapped to the ICP, which is mapped to your go to market, um, becomes really, really, really important. And, um, back to what I said at the beginning, like just all those distractions, um, didn't allow us to kind of figure that out. And so we, I would say we were a little lost, um, at the beginning. And now that we're like figuring, okay, how do we create the ecosystem? How do we distribute the ecosystem? Um, and it's very, very tailored to the ICP. It's becoming, um, a very cool value proposition that, um, you know, three years ago, I would not have been able to tell you that was my strategy at all. <laughs> so, so, the, so some of the folks that are thinking about channel partners, right. They're thinking about, you know, what does that ecosystem look like for me? And, and I love, I mean, that CEOs of the future will lead ecosystems, not companies. I love that concept. Um, and it's really the evolution of, you know, best of breed product meets best of breed company or best of breed ecosystem without yep. but still taking in the, you know, the niche aspect of what a company should do. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's incredible. I love that. I love that statement. But when you take that to the actionable level for folks that were in your shoes, maybe a couple years ago, thinking about what's the right ecosystem, what's the right next step for me, what tip can you offer um, some of the folks listening in? Yeah. So, um, you know, for us, it was again, back to like where our product or platform mapped into an already existing, um, process, um, that is already deployed in these industries. Right. And so, um, for us, uh, cybersecurity, um, compliance, uh, consulting development, like this is all related. Um, and then when you kind of overlay, cyber insurance, um, and venture capital, private equity. Um, we took a step back and we're like, okay, what is the actual process that we're building into? Um, what's the market and what's kind of the business life cycle of the clients that we're, um, targeting. And all of those elements that I just talked about are very, very in relatable or relate related to each other. And so, um, we were like, okay, map, map the process. Who's involved with the process? Um, who's involved at different stages of the business life cycle? Um, and how, what's the value propositions to each one of them? And we just figured it out. Right. And so, um, it's almost like, uh, what is that? Um, it's the startup, uh, map, uh, um, you have to do several iterations of that, um, you know, of like, how do you think, think about like distribution, how you think about, um, the industry, um, even like, I would say focusing in on a niche, um, industry for a little while to focus on like your go to market helps kind of simplify that process. So for example, um, if you want to tar- if we were targeting like FinTech or payments industry, um, what is, what is the process that we're mapping into and our ideal customer profile, what's their kind of business life cycle. Right. Um, and how do we fit into that? And, um, you kind of figure out the distribution and, and how you can, uh, um, offer more value to the ecosystem. A, a scaled down business model canvas, if you will. Of, of sorts. That's what I was talking about. The scale, the, the business model canvas. Yes. Yes. Or very focused maybe a couple iterations of that, you know, focus on where you're trying to, where you're trying to, you know, launch your, your product or where you're trying to spend time. Yeah. It's a great, great tool. Great tool for all founders. Um, so, um, 
You mentioned geographic focus as it relates to ecosystems. And I know I, you know, my, in my intro, I mentioned you're from Jacksonville, you've been building in Jacksonville um, and you've gotten some great success in Jacksonville, but <clears throat> small markets are hard. Um, and, um, you know, there's pros and cons and, you know, that's something we really haven't talked about yet on the show. So would love it if you just, you know, share a little bit about your journey in Jacksonville building and um, what other founders might be able to learn from the small market nature of, of building a startup? Yeah, so um, the, the biggest cons, I'll start with that, um, that I've seen in, in smaller markets is um, this kind of scarcity versus abundance mindset um, where um, there's not enough money to go around. There's, you know, there's, you know, we're, we're all fighting over the same big logos um, or, you know, the same attention or whatever, where it's, it's really not the case. Like the kind of thinking more of it of abundance is, you know, there's more to go around. Right. And um, I think that's where uh, it turns into a pro, right. Where when you, when you start to kind of realize like, Oh man, the, the world is bigger than, your own place that you live, right? Um, the abundance mind says, hey, hey, it's a realization of maybe I should focus somewhere else. Um, and uh, it allows you to kind of open up your mindset and create a new network um, that you don't have, which, yeah, it takes a long time. But once you start to do those things, it actually really works out for you. Um, and then uh, the other con, you know, this is obvious, but like lack of access to capital, mentors, advisors, um, university, uh, real startup community, right? So, like <clears throat> when we went to that startup boot camp here in Hartford, we could go to New York. Um, it it was just way different there, right? It's like, hey, we're doing this thing. You go to the, these pitch events, and people come up after you and be like, hey, I know the person at blah 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 blah. You want to get connected to him? I'm like really good friends with them. Oh, that'd be awesome! And they do it like the next day, right? Um, I think also in the South, man, it's um, too much good bedside manner <laughs> yeah. where, uh, where you'll take someone to dinner or drinks or, or lunch for like a year and they're never going to do business with you. Um, right. And so like we're the, the bigger or more faster moving, um, business communities, um, you know, they're like, shoot, you solve this problem. Let's figure out how to do it. Right. And it's just, it just works faster. So, um, those are the cons. Uh, I would say the pros are um, you gain attention <clears throat> really quick um, from the community. Um, those who are connected in the community really will help you out. Um, it's just finding those people that have those connections, you know, built a network outside of your, your own kind of geographic constraint. Um, <clears throat> but then, you know, you get to with those, with that getting attention quickly, you're actually able to like get in and talk to other executives um, and get feedback faster um, and ad adapt your product or, or uh, business faster. Um, you also learn how to, <clears throat> because you don't have access to Silicon Valley, crazy $50 million, $100 million rounds, um, you start to learn how to be very cost efficient on uh, or budget efficient on how you're spending your money. Um, you actually think through you know, how to strategically do things as opposed to, oh, I think that's a good idea. Throw a bunch of money at it. Just, you know, just go and, and spend some cash. Um, <clears throat> this is, I would say, 
really important as you're talking to more like later stage investment, if you're, if you're doing that way, cause they're like, how do you spend your money? Um, you're not, you know, negligent at, you know, spending your, our, but if we give you money, you're not gonna be negligent at spending our dollars. Right. And so, um, when you start to learn those things or, uh, solve problems <clears throat> with money or finance, uh, uh, differently than giving up equity. Um, so you start to learn like, uh, how you can do financial things different and better, um, aligned to what you're trying to do as a founder, as opposed to, oh man, I'm just going to raise a bunch of money and you know, I'm successful. Right. That's, that's not really the case. A lot of times, like you realize I don't really want those investors in my business. And I've seen this happen to a lot of friends where, um, they're going where their business is held up for like a year or two on progress because of investors are on the board now and they're doing stupid things, making, you know, wanting to make stupid calls or don't align with the CEO and, you know, but they don't know the industry. They don't know the business. And so it's just, it's painful. Anyway, I'm getting distracted there. Um, no, the other pro, <laughs> the other pro is, uh, cause my next, my next kind of talking point was, uh, less competition, um, less distractions. Um, so you can focus on execution, right? Um, you know, when you're in a bigger city, it's very easy to go to all of the networking things um, and participate in all the events. And, you know, you're not actually getting anything done. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit older on this next venture. And so I'm like, nah, I just want to keep my heads down and my head down and just execute. And, you know, that's the, being a smaller uh, market allows you to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> good stuff, man. Really good stuff. <clears throat> So um, about this time, you know, listeners know that, that this part of the show is we're winding things down as a series of five rapid fire questions that we call the founder five. Um, and uh, I'm going to throw a bonus thing. If you make it in under a minute, Jeremy, I'll even send a few fun things your way after the show. So uh, your choice, more knowledge or more things. <laughs> Maybe I'll give you both. <laughs> oh man, I'll try to go for the minute. But I, I, as you can see, I tend to like to talk. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's all good. This is this is the faster, quick pace part of the show. So, um, you know, first first one, number one metric or a couple metrics that you're relentlessly focused on. Yeah, I'd say it's all related to the ecosystem. You know, how are we providing new value or more value to the ecosystem? And along the lines of. Um, when we get leads from the ecosystem, how fast can we qualify them, convert them in or out of the process? Um, and how are we helping our, our ecosystem partners do that better too? Right. Um, so that's one. Yep. That's great. So number right. two, top, top tip for growth stage founders like yourself. Oh uh, man. Um, there's two ignoring factor bullet points here. So ignore competition. Um, you know, that is a distraction. You want to out innovate them on the business model, distribution, et cetera, not just on the product. And if you're paying attention to their marketing, a lot of times they don't even do what they're doing on their website, which is a complete distraction. Um, and I learned that the hard way. Um, and then ignore all opinions or at least figure out a way on how to process them. And so when you're talking to investors, people who quote unquote, been there, done that. There's so many opinions and smart people tend to give you opinions, whether they're warranted or not. Um, know if it matches you and know if you should actually implement anything that they said. That's, that's, that's where I'll stay with that. Well said. All right. Number three, favorite book or podcast that's helped you grow? 
Um, I would say it's a combo of uh, Zero to One by Pierre Thiel and um, Platform Revolution by Marshall Van Elstein um, are my top ones that helped this business. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Good ones. Uh, what actor would play you in a movie? So I know uh, my wife would say Jason Momoa. Um, <laughs> if she could play a part, right? But yeah. I'm more jacked and got better hair than him. So it's it's <laughs> cool. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I would say uh, I like Ryan Reynolds, man. Um, to kind of get into the entrepreneurial journey, it'd be cool to see someone with some charm, some wit, um, and good looks. To so it keep the audience tuned into the ups and downs of of entrepreneurship. And um, I think he could he could take the take the uh, flag on that one. Oh, he definitely could. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. What's going to be the title mm-hmm. of your autobiography? Uh, For love and glory, the entrepreneurs fight to freedom. And uh, I actually have that tattooed on my chest. Not the second part, but fight for love and glory. Oh, very cool. Dude, I love that. There's a story behind that one. All right. Well, since you did finish in under a minute, go ahead and take another minute on the story if you want. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's, uh, my grandfather, also entrepreneur. Um, He always said that, you know, and it it came from a movie. um, uh, It's... I'm lost. I lost it right now. Uh, anyway, it came from a movie back in the 1950s, 1960s. And, and every time I called him, he said, it's the fight for the love and glory. And um, he was talking about the entrepreneurship journey and keeping your mindset uh, right, keeping your family uh, happy. Right. And um, freedom um, is really the fight to for financial freedom, but happiness. Right. And whatever happiness is defined by you. Right. Not everybody else, not everybody's opinions, but um, that's where it's like, uh, it really resonated with me from an entrepreneur's standpoint, fight for life, for, for love and uh, glory. Um, because we're all in it to do that. And, uh, it is, we're all in this to, to, for freedom in some regard. <clears throat> Grandpa Vaughn was a, uh, wise man. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, uh, my mom's side. So Grandpa Jensen. <laughs> Grandpa Jensen. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. Well, um, man, it sounds like Taurus here is, is growing incredibly well. Um, I, you know, I sure wish I got in front of this as an early stage investor, <laughs> but I know that you guys are probably, uh, probably profitable and growing now, right? You're probably off. You probably no more capital raise any, anything along those lines. So profitable, we're still a startup. Um, but yeah, no, we're growing revenue. Um, this year has been really good to us. Uh, our trajectory is going really well. Um, and so you're actually not too early or too late. Um, we are in the middle of a seed round and we have uh, a lead from New York VC. Um, and we're actually, um, on the hunt for, uh, folks that are interested in this market, um, that are interested in investing. And, um, we have a very unique, uh, value proposition and, um, you know, it's, it's a huge opportunity and, uh, it's not a small opportunity. Um, this product is, is becoming very, uh, um, known. Um, and you know, we're ready for, for, to kind of kickstart ourselves out of stealth mode, if you will. Um, but to that point, I was, I was waiting for the right time, um, to raise capital, get our strategy, right. Um, create some revenue. So, um, we were ready. And, uh, so that's, that's currently where we are. Well, I'm glad I asked the question. <laughs> so anybody interested yeah awesome dude well um let's talk more on that for one but also um 
you've given so much to our listeners today, Jeremy. So uh, always offer a little bit of self-promotion here. How can those listening help you out? Yeah. So um, we're, we're looking, we're always looking for partners, um, some channel partners. So those are like MSPs, MSSPs type of organizations, Um, your virtual CISO, chief information security officer, um, consulting firms, um, software development firms, um, your compliance and audit consultancies, um, and then VCs and PEs, uh, not for investment for, we actually have a unique um, value proposition for them and their portfolio companies. And so um, that one has be, has a new distribution model that's actually garnering some really uh, cool um, traction. Um, I would say also uh, insurance brokers um, that are focused on cyber insurance. Um, and providing differentiation. Um, we actually have a, a partnership with a couple uh, cyber insurers, which makes us also very unique in our space. Um, that's getting a lot of traction here recently as well. Um, investors, like we mentioned, and then customers. So like we fo- we focus on SaaS startups, um, small and mid-sized businesses that um, are resource constrained. Um, they don't have the ability to um, hire, you know, maybe a full-time CTO or full-time CISO. Um, we can help out there. Um, and then, you know, from a platform perspective, so like automation, you know, helping on DevOps, um, engineering, uh, all those things. And um, really meant our business model is to help them kind of leapfrog um, the competition by using new ways of, of doing things. And so um, any customers are, are always welcome. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's where we're at, um, nice. with, uh, with that. Yeah. And, and, uh, how can, um, anyone get in touch with you? What's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you if they do want to contact you? So it's, uh, my email, Jeremy, J E R E M Y at Torsier, T A U R U S E E R.com. <clears throat> and my cell phone, not for salespeople. Uh, 904-716-5060. If if it is a salesperson, figure out what you're selling me and why I need it and uh, use my email. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, dude. Well, this has been a a pleasure and uh, thanks again for being on the dirt. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. All right. Take care, Jeremy. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt.